This is Pat Salver with the Dr. Ways In on radio, and we have a very interesting show today because we're going to talk about a cancer that isn't often talked about despite the fact that it's the fifth most common uh, cancer in the United States, and that's bladder cancer. And the reason why we're going to talk about it is because there is a new treatment that just has received accelerated approval from the FDA uh, to treat uh, this disorder in people who have failed the more traditional treatment, which is a platinum-based chemotherapy. And uh, to start our conversation off, Dr. Daniel Petralik, who's a medical oncologist and professor of medicine and urology at Yale Cancer Center, and one of the lead investigators on this drug, which is called Tecentric, or atezolizumab, that's probably the only time I'm going to say that during the show. We'll just call it the brand name, Tecentric, which is a drug from the company Genentech um, out here in my neighborhood in, in uh, California. Um, and uh, he participated, he was one of the lead investigators in the clinical trial. So, um, Dr. Petralik, um, this is very good news for people with bladder cancer. Can you um, tell us a little bit about exactly what happened and what led to this early approval? Well, uh, bladder cancer, it's always been known that there's been an immune component to bladder cancer. There are basically two types of bladder cancer. One, One type is superficial and does not invade into the muscle of the bladder, and and that tends not to spread. It tends to stay local. And uh, for a number of years, there has been an immune treatment that has been used to treat that form of bladder cancer that helps to prevent recurrences. In the more advanced forms of the disease, disease that goes into the muscle, chemotherapy plus removing the bladder, or uh, chemotherapy if the bladder cancer is spread outside of the bladder is an appropriate treatment. But once uh, the chemotherapy doesn't work any longer or if the cancer progresses after the chemotherapy, for years there had not been any standard treatment. And uh, as part of a very, very large trial that was evaluating this new immune treatment, uh, Tixentric, uh, which is a drug that basically uh, helps to block the signal that the bladder cancer cells make to the immune system to make them invisible to the immune system. This drug actually turns those T cells on or the cells that are effective. And uh, in the first study, we saw some very, very dramatic responses uh, to Tixentric. And then this confirmatory trial was opened uh, in 2014 that evaluated Eccentric in about 310 patients with bladder cancer that failed primary therapy. And we're seeing some very, very dramatic tumor shrinkages uh, with, with this, this, this drug. So it's extremely promising. Well, that's really good news. Um, I, I do have a question about the study and how this drug works. It's my understanding that it binds to, uh, I guess it's a protein that's called PDL1. Right. And that you actually have to have expression of PDL1 for the drug to be effective. Do, do I have that right? Well, yes and no. So the original, there are very, the studies have looked at the expression or the levels of PDL1 in both the tumor cells and the immune cells. 
and the the PDL1 is the signal that basically shuts the immune cells off. And um, so in the preliminary studies, it looked like the uh, PDL1 levels correlated with the responses. But there are some patients who don't make PDL1 uh, if you take a tumor biopsy and then examine it for it, uh, who still do respond to Texcentric. So there are some, um, perhaps there's some imperfections in, in, in how we're looking at this, or we're looking at the wrong time in those particular patients. So the bottom line is, is that we see responses in patients irrespective of their pdl one status. Okay, so this drug, um, was in terms of who should be able to get it and whom we think it will be effective, um, you would say whether you have expression of pdl one or not, it would still be reasonable to have a trial of Tocentric for someone who meets the other criteria for the drug? Yes, and the reason being is that the response rate in those patients who don't make PDL1 is very, very similar to what we see with chemotherapy. And we know that chemotherapy does have side effects. And uh, so since this is a drug that has few, in my experience, has fewer side effects or different side effects than chemotherapy, then I think it's appropriate to consider this in somebody who's PD, PDL1 negative. Uh, in right. fact, Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. I just wanted to remind our listeners um, that we are talking about somebody who has advanced bladder cancer that has failed the first, you know the first line right. of chemotherapy. So you have to weigh that off with any um, issues around who the drug would work in or not. Right. The, the first first line chemotherapy is still standard for, in other words, chemotherapy for patients who've never had. Uh, chemotherapy before f- the first line treatment, that is still considered standard of care. Tecentric is for those patients who have either had a response and the tumor gets worse or don't respond to their primary treatment. And so an interesting part about uh, this whole story, I think, uh, is that it's taken so long to get an alternative treatment for this cancer. And why do you think that is? Well, for a long time, there were a lot of lot of failures in this disease, and in fact, um, you know, for years I had been trying to get pharma and other people interested in in using some of their newer agents in this disease, and because the response rates for second line treatment were so disappointing, a lot of people did not want to um, take the risk. Of, of trying one of their drugs in this area. And um, so because of the fact that there was a low, low chance of it working. But, you know, the, the theory was good for this disease because the, the, the previous histories of immune therapy working, and it made sense to go forth with it. The thing I think that in addition to the, the importance to patients and the new therapeutic option for this drug, uh, I think what's also been very exciting is the uh, interest that's now been uh, engendered in new drugs, new treatments for metastatic bladder cancer. In fact, this year for the first time, the Department of Defense is now uh, soliciting a uh, uh, what's called an RFA or request for proposals for uh, bladder cancer studies 
and they've done that for breast cancer and prostate cancer for years. This is the first time they're actually doing it. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Um, and, and just in general, as a medical oncologist, um, with all these new, very targeted therapies, um, this must be a really exciting time to do what you're doing. We're, we're moving away from, you know, let's poison every cell in the body to, you know, let's help the immune system to uh, respond and help kill the cancer cells in a very targeted way. Well, I think it's very exciting. I think that, that understanding how these particular targets interact, how we can combine chemotherapy with the immune therapy or sequence it properly, uh, I think is very, very exciting. I think also what's very exciting is the fact that the process in getting this drug approved was fairly rapid. Uh, the first patient was treated on the phase one trial in March of 2013, and now we're 2016, it took us three years to get that drug approved. If we look back years ago, and, and I was very much involved in the uh, the approval of, of Taxotere for prostate cancer, that was a six-year process. So the thing I think also I'm encouraged about is that we are beginning to get these drugs to the patients more rapidly, which is the most important thing, that we can make a difference in their lives and uh, improve their not only the length of their lives, but the quality of their lives. Yeah, I think everybody who's um, either been intimately or at a distance involved in looking at clinical trials for drugs has found it pretty discouraging uh, how long it, ha it does take to get a drug to market. Uh, so this really is is speedy compared to the uh, you know to the other kinds of trials that we used to that we used to have. Um, that being said. Uh, when is this so it's been approved when is this drug available if if I was an oncologist out here in California and had a patient who met the criteria for Tcentric, can I give it to him now? Yes, in fact, uh, we treated our first patient today uh, outside oh. of a clinical trial. Um, it, it, so uh, we were actually very, very pleased that we were able to do that. So, you know, the approval was May 18th, uh, and uh, you know, that's that's 28 days from the time of approval to the first uh, first treat, treatment here. So that's actually pretty exciting. So a, a physician who's experienced in giving immune therapy, an oncologist, will be the appropriate person in this situation, and you can get that uh, from your oncologist. Yeah, well, that's that's really good news. And um, but my understanding is that this approval is uh, has a contingency, right? That we right. still need to collect more data. So I'm assuming that we don't want to have too many people getting the drug outside of the clinical trials, or or if they're getting it outside the clinical trials, that they're collecting that data. But w w tell us about this contingency and what does it mean for the future of the drug. So this is what's called the accelerated approval process. So the drug is available to all patients in for second-line therapy, and uh, irrespective of the clinical trial. The clinical trials that are being done now in second line are, are trying to improve and, and uh, upon the treatment and combine it with other agents. But there are other clinical trials that are being done now to confirm the, the, the preliminary data. This was a phase two trial. Now, a phase two trial is a just simply a large number of patients treated with uniformly with the same drug. Uh, and as I said, there were about 310 patients on this study, which is bigger than most phase two trials. And the way the accelerated approval process works is they come up with a preset level of tumor shrinkage that they would like to see. 
And uh, this trial met the, 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 the goals the FDA set out when it was first designed. But part of the process with the accelerated approval is there must, must be a confirmatory study done afterwards, uh, a randomized trial that, that confirms the initial observations. And that trial did, uh, was performed in the United States as well as in, predominantly in Europe, randomizing uh, uh, Texentric against standard of care chemotherapy. So, so that study is still in the follow-up phase, and all the patients have been entered on that. Um, so, I'm not. I don't think that there'll be that many United States patients who, you know, will be in a situation where they would need Texentric after being on that particular trial because that trial closed about a year ago. Um, so, we're waiting for the results to come back and to see exactly whether the, these results are confirmed. Okay, and I'm assuming that you're optimistic about that. I want to say very much so. And before we uh, talk to our patient, um, talk to you a little bit about cost. I know this is probably not exactly in your bailiwick, but uh, my experience as somebody who does a lot of benefit design work um, is that these new targeted therapies tend to be very expensive. And, um, you know, somebody's got to pay. And right now it's the payers who pay, the insurance companies who pay. Um, What can you say about um, cost? Do you think is insurance already agreed to pay for this? Are they um, putting it in a really high tier, which means that the patient would have high high out of pocket? Um, What do you know about the accessibility from a from a affordability point of view? Well, I um, I don't know what the insurance providers are saying at this particular point, um, and I don't know what the copays are and what's expected of the patients and what goes on from insurance company to insurance company. But this is an FDA approved drug, and um, there is there isn't an alternative at this time. So I, I think that um, as we go on, we'll refine the patients who respond to this, I think, more clearly, and perhaps we'll be able to offer alternatives for those patients we may predict may not respond to this. But but that's way, way in the future. I think that what we have to really uh, say is that, number one, we know that these drugs are expensive. And um, how do you then measure that expense against, you know, the, these these treatments which are life-saving? So, uh, uh, I know it's a very, very complex issue, and I know that uh, we have to come up with some solution to it. But at this point, I've not heard of it being it's, – it's way too early to know exactly how the payers are going to, to deal with it. Okay. Well, th- thank you very much for that. And I, I'm going to shift gears now. And, Lou, are you still there? I'm here. Good. So I want to introduce Lou Pagano, who um, was actually in – the clinical trial uh, for this new drug, received this new drug. And I thought, Lou, we'd start out by having you tell us um, just a little bit about your cancer journey. When were you diagnosed? Um, what stage were you in? What kinds of treatments did you have before you ended up having access to uh, to Centric? Sure. Terrific. Thank you. Um, so, I, I guess the first symptoms showed up around March of 2013. Um, I was, I guess we call it a medical, well, you guys call it a medical profession, asymptomatic, right? I really had no symptoms. And uh, when they showed up, I was I was kind of uh, distressed. Uh, I, I saw some bleeding and immediately went to the doctor and, and such. And 
I was diagnosed in April of 2013 with um, with bladder cancer. Um, subsequently, I went into uh, I went for a procedure, and what was confirmed is that it was indeed muscle invasive. I think it was stage three, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, all of that transpired over the course of probably eight weeks or so, and uh, and then I decided to um, to go to some. Uh, well, t- to go to Philadelphia um, Jefferson Hospital, I have a friend who's a, a doctor and recommended a few folks. I did, by the way, get some second opinions, which I always encourage people to do. And I went to Sloan Kettering, and they actually endorsed what I was doing in Philly. So, um, in in the summer of 2013, I started my first clinical trial, which was really kind of standard of care treatment, I believe. And doctor, correct me if I I go off the tracks here. But I was taking, you know, r- regular uh, chemo medicine, so um, cisplatin and gemcitabine, um, and then that was going to be followed by cystectomy. But the reason why it was clinical trial, it was an accelerated, uh, accelerated treatment. So rather than stretch it out over a long period of time, I believe it was done over the course of about 12 weeks. Um, then in September of, of 13, I did go in for surgery, um, and indeed, when that, that bladder came out, uh, my neo bladder was built, um, within a week we found out that the bladder was clear. So the six tumors that had showed up initially um, were all gone, and we would kind of celebrate and saying, hey, you know, good decision and all of that stuff. Um, unfortunately, in, in January of 2014, um, through scans, eight new tumors showed up. And, uh, oh, that's discouraging. Yep, and to say the least, uh, we were very distraught. Um, specifically, I had two tumors in nodes, one on my spine, one on my clavicle, and four in my liver. And, and speaking to the, to the urologist, you know, we, we kind of talked about it after my life. My wife left the room, um, and, and, you know, I wasn't given much of a chance since it, it came back, I guess, in such a vengeance. I then met with the oncologist again, and... Uh, the decision was made to go on a clinical trial at that time, um, second clinical trial, which I, I just want to interject right away. I'm a big proponent of clinical trials, especially, as we said earlier, you know, the standard of care that exists for, for bladder cancer is like 20 years old, right? So if, if you're in dire straits and you know the, the, the uh, prognosis isn't good, why not try something different? So in any event, I went on a clinical trial, and the two drugs I took were OGX-427, which was experimental, and Taxol or Docetaxin. I, I, I kind of mixed those two names up. Um, and, and what I was told was what we were looking to do was to kind of keep the, the cancer in check from not spreading any further and from not growing anymore. But lo and behold, um, that, that kind of 5% they gave me to survive um, was was really kind of working, and the tumor started to shrink and and go away and I believe six of the eight tumors went away when uh tumor number nine showed up um, it's in my left pelvic area and it was rather large and uh it it was so large that it disqualified me from that particular clinical trial um so our oncologist uh, said, listen, you know, th- there's another clinical trial. Um, and she encouraged me to go for another uh, opinion, which I went back up to Sloan. And um, the doctor up in Sloan was very excited about 
to centric. I can't pronounce the previous name, so I don't even try. But uh, and, and his words were, if they can't get you in the trial down in Jefferson, then you got to come back home to New York. But uh, the next day they got me into the trial, and, and uh, so that was about a year and a half or so ago, and, and thus started my journey to uh, to recovery and stabilization. The uh, the remaining two or three of the eight tumors um, did in fact um, disappear, and the large tumors started to shrink. But it was also decided that I would. Um, have a dose of radiation or 10 doses of radiation, if you will. And, and if, I guess the belief is that the radiation helps the, the drug to work better and the immune system to work better. So in uh, March of uh, last year, I, I did, in fact, go through radiation um, and continue on, on with the centric. Um, what I'm happy to report is that the, uh, although it hasn't disappeared, um, the, the tumor shrunk and it's stable. So all of the recent scans um, have shown that there is no growth at all. It's it's kind of stable. It's there. It does remind me every once in a while that it's there, but uh, that's okay. And uh, as doctor said, my uh, you know I'm happy to be alive, and you know quality of life isn't all that bad. Well, that's an amazing journey. And um, are you still taking the Tecentric now, or or have you finished I, that course? No, no, I haven't finished at all. I'm still in the trial. Um, you know, I, I think the common belief is that it's it's something you probably stay on forever. I, I don't know that that's necessarily the case, but right now that is the belief, right? Um, b- because the tumor hasn't disappeared. It's still there. Dr. Petrolak, do you have any comment on that? Well, we, we don't know. We don't know how right. how long you should go on it, and as long as you're tolerating it, uh, you know you would err on the side of caution and and stay on the medication. The other interesting thing that by staying on this medication that we found is that about 14% of patients, even though initially it looks like the tumors are getting worse, they actually get better over time. And the reason for this is the way the drug works. So by turning on these T cells they migrate or they go to the spots where the tumors are, particularly in lymph nodes. And these lymph nodes can look swollen on the CAT scan and look actually bigger than they initially were. So it's something called pseudoprogression. And uh, what we often do is we'll see how the patient is feeling and then repeat the scans in a month. If they're feeling well, we'll we'll continue on. Uh, But I think staying on the drug is important because certainly you may see more tumor shrinkage over time. So uh, uh, I think this is a great story, and I think it's really indicative of the excitement we all have for our patients uh, that we have a new option. Yeah, I know it's, it's really exciting. Uh, so I want to ask you, Lou, um, what type of side effects? Now, you were having a lot of things going on, right? You were getting... You know, the first uh, clinical trial that you were in, you were getting those drugs, and then you got into the concentric trial, and then you had radiation therapy. So you had a lot of things going on. But yep. were there any side effects that you felt like you could ascribe uh, to the concentric itself? How did how did you tolerate it? Did it make you sick? Did you dread getting your doses? What, how did, how did no, you respond? No, 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 not at all. And, and if I could just go back for a second to the previous trial, um, th- those side effects were really kind of nasty with the Toxol. Um, I wound up with neuropathy in my toes, which I still have to this day, and, and my hands started to bother me. But more importantly, I just felt a sense of general malaise all the time. And, and it seemed like, you know, with the first 
course of, of chemo I had, I would have some side effects, but they would go away. And then three weeks later, you know, you have it again, and it comes back, and it goes away. This, and by the way, I had OGX every week and Toxol every three weeks. It was kind of a cumulative effect, so those side effects never did, in fact, go away. Um, with Tocentric, um j- just a couple of things. A couple of days after I have treatment, I feel a little tired, and my fingers lock up every so often. And they either lock up or or they kind of cramp up. And that's it, which, you know, uh, of course, I gladly exchange <laughs> for getting right. better. Right? So it really, the side effects, especially, again, compared to the second trial, are, are really nothing at all. And um, uh, Dr. Petrolak, I understand that there are quite a list of, of side effects in lieu. I'm really glad we didn't have any of them. But there were actually some serious side effects, including in the trial, uh, sepsis and intestinal obstruction and pneumonitis, right. Um, right. There are things that actually had pretty bad outcomes. Um, anything you want to add to what we just said? Well, I, I think that he, he's his experience is very, very reflective of the experience of my patients. But the way we look at this is with chemotherapy, the side effects are side effects of killing cells uh, with toxic agents, such as drop in blood counts, uh, you're susceptible to a fever and infection. Those are the major ones. With Tixentric, the side effects are much lower. Uh, the rate, even the rates of immune-related side effects are low. Uh, but these side effects are more related to inflammation. So diarrhea is usually seen. Irritation of the liver is seen in, in a small number of patients. And also this pneumonitis, which is like, a, like an inflama- inflammation of the lung, uh, that's also seen in a small number of patients as well. The important thing with these side effects is that they're recognized early because the earlier we take care of them, the better chance that we have that we can put the patient back on drug. As we talked about a few moments ago, the longer you stay on the drug, you may have a chance to respond even though you may not have initially had tumor shrinkage. So we like to use steroids if we need to, uh, to uh, help reduce the side effects. But they're different. They're predominantly those of infl- inflammation, and they're ver- the rates of, of side effects are very low. All right, thanks. Well, we've uh, come to the end of our time together, um, but I really want to thank both of you for helping us to understand um, both the clinical aspects and I think even more important, the parent patient experience aspects of this new drug, um, which is uh, truly going to live up to its name as a breakthrough treatment. So thanks again for joining us. And Lou, I I wish you all the best in your continuing journey, and I hope the last remaining tumor that you have. uh, I hope so. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to going back to work one day. Not many people say that, but I do. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. So thank you. Thank you. Good night, all. Good night.